we spent an entire working group session talking about how to turn off the DNS because it was taking up too much space and how to get back to redistributing host.txt on CDs. And this was an entire session on how much does a CD cost and how fast does the postal system go? This was the almost killed the DNS moment as far as I recall. Hello and welcome to ResolvePod, a brand new DNS podcast brought to you by Men and Mice. You have DNS questions and problems, we have answers and solutions. Going forward, we will be bringing you news, how-tos and roundtable discussions weekly about everything DNS and DHCP and IPAM. But we kick off our podcast series with interviews from prominent speakers from RIPE78. Our team, spearheaded by Carson Strutman, has lined up some of the best and brightest that DNS world has to offer. We couldn't have asked for a better interview than the one we have for our first episode. Jeff Houston, chief scientist at APNIC and a staple of the internet community. His research focuses on internet infrastructure, IP technologies, and address distribution policies. Take a listen. My name is Jeff Houston. I've been involved in the internet forever. And we started by talking about sort of when was our first IETF. And the first IETF meeting that I went to was actually in Honolulu in 1989. And oddly enough, the DNS had come up. And the reason why is that the National Science Foundation, that had just turned on its shiny new internet in America, had come to the disappointing realization that 20% of the bandwidth was being taken up by DNS queries. And Steve Goldstein, the program manager, had told Paul Mockapetrus, the head of the DNS working group, make it go away, make it smaller. And so we spent an entire working group session talking about how to turn off the DNS because it was taking up too much space and how to get back to redistributing host.txt on CDs. And this was an entire session on how much does a CD cost and how fast does the postal system go? This was the almost killed the DNS moment, as far as I recall, many years ago. Thank God we never did that. We just persisted and made the DNS a little bit more friendly to the network. Okay. Do you remember what uh, caused this 20% of all the network? Oh, this was this whole thing about, um, we, we now call it a variant of rollover and die. When there's no such thing as no... All you can do is ask, and you keep on asking. Because if you can't answer no, the absence of an answer kind of says, well, if you're not going to talk to me, I'll just ask the question again, and again, and again, and again. And after that came NX Domain. And it wasn't in the original spec, the very original spec. NX Domain was sort of a bolt-on to go, you know, it's actually a no. Not, I'm not answering you. There is no such name. Go away. What was the result of that work? So yeah, these things kind of gradually evolve and change. And still, we have uh, so little things, so many things in DNS that we don't understand. Well, yes, indeed. I started measuring the DNS from the point of view of the user, and I had this cute little technique where I use online ads because everyone has ads, right? It's just the bane of today's internet. But inside an ad, you can have a script. And inside a script, you can make the ad or the user get a URL. What's a URL? A domain name. So I make sure the domain name is absolutely unique and I'm the only server. So when you get the ad, I get your queries. And I know it's you because the name I've given you is you. So I can see you. And we start playing with the DNS and playing very, very hard. 
For example, if I always answer no, how many queries do you give me for me to say no? And the answer should be one. You ask, there is no such name, game over, move on. Why do I see two and a half queries on average? And I'm doing this 10 million times a day. What part of no does the DNS have a problem with? No, go away. No, I'm going to ask you again. No, no, I'm going to ask you again. Do these repeated queries come from the same network? No, or? no, they're all over the place. Some of them are from the same network. Yeah. The weird thing. If I give you an answer, you still ask me multiple times, but not 2.5. You only ask me about 1.8 times. Why is no different from yes in the DNS? No one knows. And it's just one of these weird questions about the way the DNS itself as a system behaves that makes no, are you sure? Let me ask again, harder than yes. Here's an answer. Oh, good. I'll go away now. The other parts of this we've been studying, because this is just endlessly fascinating, is security. Anyone who's ever looked at the web PKI would realise that you shouldn't trust the whatever's going on behind your browser. The security framework is just fundamentally broken, warped and horrible. CAs do things for money, not for the goods. And so they're eminently easy to corrupt. It's really easy to seize material using the web PKI. So we have a lot of hope in Dane. We have a lot of hope in DNSSEC. We believe that the DNS is actually a very solid way of securely passing authentic information to the user. This is the public key you should be using to come to my domain name. I said it, I can't repudiate it, I really said it, and that's the key. That's the public key, no other. This is great, but it relies on DNSSEC, it relies on Dane, it relies on a whole bunch of things. But DNSSEC itself is not small. You start to get big answers. The answer size starts to go larger, And then comes this issue, the DNS was designed as a lightweight UDP protocol with tiny packets. Nothing bigger than 512 bytes was the theory. As soon as you add signatures, things inflate. How well do we handle inflation? How well do we manage large responses? And the theory goes, and it's a great theory and I love it to death, we're all meant to be moving to V6. V4, we kind of understand. Fragmentation, we kind of understand. It's not perfect, but most folks seem to survive. What about in V6? There's a mess. IPv6 fragmentation is a mess. So I measured it. And what's the outcome? One quarter of users can't get a fragmented answer if it's a fragmented V6 DNS answer. That's not two users, it's not 20. One quarter of those four billion users can't get the answer. Kind of, we need to do something. But it's only by measuring this and quantifying these kinds of problems do I think we can get focused to the point of going, how do we get around this issue? What do we need to do to actually either fix the problem, which in this case I think is unfixable, or get the DNS to drive around the problem so it's not constantly sending messages into the great packet loss machine that is V6 extension headers. So this is all sort of where I am at the moment, prompted largely by the KSK role. So uh, do you think the new uh, DNS Black Day that uh, is proposed for next year, uh, lowering the eDNS buffer size, is a good thing? I think it is. Um, I think the DNS penetration in the world of around 20% of users maximally 
is almost at the limit of where we can reliably get large DNS. And if we want to get large DNS answers deeper into the infrastructure, we can't get there with UDP. It's just the, the mess of fragmentation is just cutting into firewall rules. No one likes fragmentation at all. But the DNS doesn't have a clean way of trying to do path MTU discovery. No one likes retransmit, retransmit, retransmit. No one likes EDNS zero buffer size hunting. I'm getting pretty technical here. I hope the podcast is with us. Um, but, you know, let's go. Because previously when you had a big answer and the other guy was asking you again, you go, hang on, you mustn't have got the first one. Let me try something smaller. Let me try something smaller and so on and so forth. This just takes time. And, you know, if you're prepared to wait for your web page to load in five minutes, no problem. We can take all day and we can get the DNS answer to you. No one's going to wait five minutes. How do I make it short and snappy? One of the ways of doing this is to go, let's go back to the original rule. Do not fragment. If the answer's big, truncate immediately and go to TCP. But TCP is blocked in many firewalls. Again, great measurement. Had a good time measuring this. Um, we find that around 6% of the world's users, it's a lot better than 20%, but around 6% of the world's users appear to sit behind resolvers that are unable to do TCP, which is kind of a problem. Can we fix that? Um, if we're prepared to go down a flag day and force it, maybe we can. I don't know, but that was the thinking. Of simply going, DNS is TCP. Change your firewall or be prepared to have no DNS. And don't forget, no DNS is no internet. So it's a big threat. The 6% was that uh, just uh, persons behind one resolver? 17% of resolvers can't handle TCP. Okay. But most of the resolvers that can't only service a few folk. The big resolvers are just fine. You know, so all of the large ISP resolvers, all of the large open resolvers, TCP is not a problem. But it's out there, way out in the edge, where someone set up their favorite you know, piece of code running as a full resolver, and they've put up a firewall that's just maniacally insane. And it's kind of, well, that's not going to work in the long run. If you're blocking TCP port 53, you're going to die. And you know that part of the flag day is kind of going, we're going to go there. Of course, the other pressure that's flying around, which is the hot topic in the DNS right now, is to go, well, let's just steer around all of this problem. Let's desert UDP. And let's go straight to using the DNS from the browser to the DNS over HTTPS server. Instantly, you don't have any kind of packet fragmentation issues. Instantly, you avoid all those nasty efforts of interception, redirection, rewriting, and all those other things folk like playing in the DNS for. And instantly, you remove the DNS as we understand it and replace it with something we don't understand run by just a few people. And it's hard to say whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but this is the current debate of whether we should or should not place the DNS inside the browser as an application that the browser has control of, not the operating system. Remove the DNS as a separate piece of infrastructure. I personally think we should be a bit worried. Yeah, me also. And um, the idea um, that was yesterday uh, about the new DNS flag day to create more sane defaults in the DNS software might help there. It, cer it certainly might, because if we remove some of these issues with large responses and not getting it through, it removes some of the impetus to say, well, let's use a completely DNS that doesn't have those problems. 
This method is to stay with what we have and make it more resilient around the areas that are stressing out. What worries me about DNS over HTTPS is that if we want to make the DNS the fundamental security pinning point for the web, we need to keep the beam separate. Because if you really want to use Dane records and trust them, having them inside the browser, it's kind of, but that's a bit of a circular trust argument. How do I know what I'm getting is the real thing if the browser's just simply making all this opaque? I, I personally think that's a leap into a space that we shouldn't be leaping. But, you know, some folk are very keen to see it happen. So we'll, we'll see. But that's certainly a big debate. To yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff and Karsten. We loved Jeff's interview, and it's especially appropriate for our first episode because DNS, with its decades of history, is still a field where debate and innovation exists. There are no hard truths in DNS, or only a few. Back in the day, nobody could have predicted the scope and the implications of the technology being developed. We've come a long, long way. But no matter how much has changed in DNS, nothing's really different in DNS today. We wrote a blog post about that a while back. Check out the link in the show notes. Debate still exists. Questions are aplenty. Part of our commitment to DNS as experts is to participate in those debates and inform others. Arrive78 was a great opportunity for us to touch base with others doing the same thing. You will hear in our upcoming interviews just how multifaceted and even controversial DNS can be. Until then, don't forget to subscribe to ResolvePod on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Rate us and let us know what ails you in DNS. Our email is resolve.pod at menandminds.com. Hope you enjoyed our show and we will talk to you next time. ResolvePod is a Men and Mice production. Men and Mice's software solutions boost business efficiency and growth by helping you manage and monitor your network spaces wherever they are hosted, across platforms and on-premises, in the cloud or in hybrid or multi-cloud environments. To find out more, check out menandmice.com.